Welcome back. Haven't seen some of you all summer, but it's good to see you in the seats, crowded again. Hey, um, before I get into the sermon, um, I have a favor uh, that I would like to ask. Um, I would like to ask you to be kind to one another in this volatile political season. Um, I just want to be honest with you. I have been... I have been somewhat um, aghast at times of what I read um, from some of us. Uh, and I just want to ask you to be kind because the world is watching. And I know I'm about to offend everybody in the room, but I don't know if you know this, but people who love Jesus are voting on both sides of the aisle. And so we just need to be careful with our words. And one of the things we're going to talk about is what the mandate for us as a church is to, to go and make disciples. And one of the ways we make disciples is by example. And the world is watching. So just be careful. And here's the deal. I'm not asking you not to be strong in your convictions. I want you to pray about who you think you should vote for. I want you to be passionate about who you're going to vote for. All of that is a good thing. But, you know, we can disagree and still be kind. Right? So let's just make that the way we're going to move through this. Okay? All right, so we're taking a little detour from our study of Luke. You know, we're walking through the book of Luke, but this morning uh, we're going to just uh, take a little bit of a detour. I started Monday kind of preparing, and I was uh, studying the Good Samaritan in chapter 10 and really getting ready for the sermon. Really felt like God had given me something great to say, but you're going to get that next week. But as the week progressed, it became pretty clear that God wanted to do something different this morning. And so what you're going to experience going forward is going to be just a little bit different than what happens normally here at Grace. So grab your Bibles. Hopefully you brought your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to start reading in verse 16. We're going to read through the end of the chapter. We want to encourage you, as always, to check in nicely on social media. Let people know what uh, God is doing here. If you hear something, if something comes out through the praise and worship or through my words that moves you, put it out there and just let people know that something really good is happening in here and that people should be a part of what God is doing here at Grace. Interesting. It's going to be a short sermon if I can't turn the page. All right. Sorry. For just such an occasion, will you grab the music stand right around the corner? Oh, you guys are so quiet. Well... I, it won't turn. It's frozen. So welcome to technology. Thank you. I don't know if I can do this from paper. It's been so long. Hey, so what I'm about to read this morning, it's very familiar to many of you. If you've been around the church very long, you know this as uh, the, the Great Commission. And really, it's our marching orders uh, as followers of Jesus. It's the mission statement of the church, not the church, Grace Community Church, but the church, capital T, capital C, which really is all the believers who make up the church of Jesus. This is our mission statement. We here at Grace, we have a mission statement, don't we? we? We have a unique way of living into this universal mission statement that we're about to read. What is our mission statement here at Grace? Okay, we always got to do it twice because the first time we're all on a different page. We are... 
Right, and all of those words mean something pretty important to us, but it's our way of living into this thing called the, the Great Commission. We are a mosaic striving to live like Jesus. So Matthew 28, starting in verse 16, says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain in which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. So Lord, I just pray this morning with all that's going on, I'm so excited about what you have asked us to do this morning. And I even wonder if iPad's not working and all the little hiccups that have been going on this morning is just somebody not wanting things to go smoothly because you're about to do something powerful in the lives of the people here at Grace. And so I just ask that you would do that, that your spirit would move, that you would strengthen us in our innermost being, and that we would be rooted and established in love and that we would know together with all the saints how high and wide and deep is the love of God. We pray that you would do more than we could ask, think, or imagine according to the power that's at work within us. In Jesus' name, amen? Oh, it's so weird turning pages. Hey, you might have noticed as I read that, that following verse 20, there's no more verses. It's the end of Matthew. It's really Jesus' parting words before he ascends. It's really his pep talk, his, his locker room talk. How many of you have watched sports? I love it when you're watching a game and, and the cameras go into the locker room and you get to hear the coach kind of firing the team up and giving them the, those last few words, sending them out. Here's the game plan. Here's what we're gonna do. He sends them out and he sends them fired up. In a lot of ways, this is that that big moment where Jesus is sort of capsulizing everything that he's done over these last three years and he's sending them out with their marching orders. And he says to them, the first thing he says is, you have everything you need. Look at verse 18, it says, and Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. What Jesus is doing, he's telling them, I have all authority. I have all the power to make what I'm asking you to do possible, to make it an actual reality. The good news for us is we don't have to make this happen. We have to be available, right? We have to do the things that God is calling us to do. We have to be obedient. But God is the one who makes it happen. All authority has been given to Jesus, and he's the one that actually makes it happen. He says, "All you have everything you need. And the second thing he says is Go. The life of a follower of Jesus is meant to be one of action. We are called to actually represent Jesus. That's why what we put out on social media actually matters. That's why our words matter. That's why our behaviors matter. People are watching us. Go, it means move. It means don't be passive. Verse 19, it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That phrase there, of all nations, that's the mosaic that's in our mission statement. That this isn't just a social experiment that's going on here at Grace. This racial diversity, this economic diversity, this age diversity, all those things that God has brought to us is what God has for us because it's his heart. It's not just a social experiment. The mosaic, all nations, it's important. Verse 19, he says, go to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We make disciples by leading them to the saving knowledge of Jesus and 
baptizing them. Now, I'm going to spend the majority of this talk talking about baptism, but I want to unpack this verse a little bit more, and then we're going to circle back to baptism. So we, we see people, we, we, people watch us, people come to know Christ through our words, through our actions. When they come to know Christ, they're baptized. And then in verse 20, it says, teach them to deserve, or excuse me, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. So Jesus is saying, I have given you everything you need to make disciples. Now go, make disciples, and you're gonna do that by A, baptizing them, and B, teaching them. Teaching them what? Teaching them to live like Jesus. Teaching them to model their lives after Jesus' life. That's why we have a mission statement that we are a mosaic striving to live like Jesus. And the only way to live like Jesus, the only way to love like Jesus is to actually study who Jesus is, to know really all that Jesus did and all the, all the works that he did and, and how he loved people. So in John 13, just a few weeks prior to this moment in the scriptures that we're reading, Jesus talking to his followers and he says, a new command I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you must love one another. The new command isn't that you love one another. The new command is that you love the way Jesus loved. And the only way for us to love as Jesus loved is to study the life of Jesus and to live like Jesus and to love like Jesus. Everything we do here at a church should be pointing to that very thing, teaching you who Jesus was, what Jesus did, because he is the, the very revelation of God. We know God because we know Jesus. When we, yeah, you can clap for that. That's good news. When we sing songs here at Grace, the songs that we sang this morning, when we preach sermons, when we have that Tuesdays at Grace that, that Paula was talking about, the early morning men's Bible study, the women's Bible study that starts at nine, the, the study for all adults that happens in the evenings on Tuesday, all of that is part of living out this great commission that we are gonna teach people how to live their lives, to live like Jesus. But it's important that you know that this, these words in Matthew, they're not just for us as the leadership of the church, they're for you that you are to go and make disciples, that you are to teach people to obey everything, that this is a, a universal commissioning of all of us, not just the leadership of the church. So we gather in small groups to teach one another, to help each other to live like Jesus. It's interesting when you get to verse 20, it's almost like we have a parenthetical statement. He ends this by saying, and behold, I am always with you, even to the end of the age. He's saying, Look, I'm asking you to do something, but you are not alone. All authority is mine, and I'm right here beside you, helping you to make disciples, helping you to baptize, helping you to teach people everything that I've taught you. So with the time remaining, I wanna circle back and I wanna talk about baptism. It's not by chance it's not just some random sense of order that Jesus instructs us to first baptize and then to teach. There is an, an order here. The fact is it's a natural sequence because people are to first believe, then they are to be baptized, and then they are to learn to live out that faith and to live like Jesus. So with the time remaining, I'm gonna answer two questions. What is baptism? And why is baptism critical to the discipleship journey? What is baptism? Now, here's one thing that's for sure. In our freedom in the Western world, 
Baptism means something very different. It doesn't have nearly the same weight that it has in so many other places. When we've traveled in some of the places we have ministries where it's illegal to be a Christian, to be baptized is to lose your job. To be baptized may even to be, be losing your own position within the community. You may be excommunicated, not even allowed to live where you were. In some places, to be baptized is to be imprisoned. In some places, to be baptized is to be killed. So we have this freedom that we can do this and we're gonna do it this morning and people are gonna get baptized. We don't have quite the same weight, but the question that we gotta ask is, what in the world is baptism that is worth risking all of that? Why would anybody go through baptism if the, the idea of being kicked out of the family and excommunicated or imprisoned or killed, what could be so important? What is baptism? Baptism is an outward expression of an inward decision. Or maybe you could even say an inward experience. It is a way for you to say to the world, I have decided to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. It's an essence, it is an opportunity to put on the team colors, to represent publicly your faith in Jesus. I wore this jersey this morning because I wanted to wear it to make a point. It tells you something about me. It tells you that I'm a glutton for punishment, <laughs> right? But it, there's something about putting on the jersey that aligns me with a certain team. So when you strap on your Michigan State, when you strap on your Michigan, when you put on your Detroit Tigers gear, you're saying something to other people. You're saying, I am a fan. I am in. I'm part of whatever that thing is, that sports club. And this pales in comparison. But imagine if Golden Tate, the guy whose jersey I'm wearing, said, look, I'm not really interested in Honolulu blue and silver. I'm not going to wear those colors on Sunday. It would be scandalous. It would make the national news, right? So, so they strap on their colors. We strap on our colors as a way of saying we are a part of this. We are a part of this thing in sports. And that's kind of what baptism is. It's a way of saying, I'm all in. I am here to tell the world I believe in Jesus and I'm going to live my life for Jesus. <laughs> baptism is an invitation. It's an invitation to experience the movement of God in your life. I say it all the time, but God's, the movement of God in your life always starts with an invitation. And baptism is an invitation. If you've said yes to Jesus, he is inviting you to put on the team colors. He's inviting you to be all in. At Grace, we practice something called a believer's baptism. And what that means is we see through the scriptures that, that people decided to follow Jesus and then they were baptized. We see them making a decision and then being baptized. So when Peter, he's preaching right after Pentecost and there's thousands of people there and he, he tells the gospel clearly and the people cry out, well, if this is true, what should we do? And Peter in Acts 2.38 says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Over and over in scripture, this is the order of which we see it. Repent, believe, and be baptized. It's important that I say this, and I know that this is where uh, I could offend some people, and I, and I hope that you hear me uh, and what the heart of what I want to say. Your religious affiliation cannot save you. Your denominational tie cannot save you. 
the faith of your parents cannot save you. We are saved through faith, our faith. When we put our trust in Jesus, that's what it means to be saved. Now, here's what I want you to hear. Some of you had an amazing experience of some sort of dedication or baptism when you were a child. And what I want you to hear is there's pretty good odds that you're here because they were there. That God was doing something and, and that, that that was an important moment and, and your religious affiliation, it can help you to walk out your faith in Jesus. Your family's faith can certainly be a huge part of you walking with Jesus. But we see in the scriptures that baptism is when a person makes a personal decision. This is the next obedient step after that decision. So that's why we practice what's called a believer's baptism. So it's an expression. It's an outward of expression of an inward decision, but it's more than that. Something supernatural takes place in this tank, and I can't explain it. In the same way, I can't explain what happens when we take communion or the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist, whatever your tradition is, whatever you call it. What I know to be true is that is also a symbol. It's an act of obedience, but something takes place in the taking of the elements. The scriptures are clear. Something supernatural is taking place. Something supernatural is going to take place in these tank when these people walk up, climb in the water, they're dunked, and they come back out. It is a supernatural experience. It's not just an expression. God does something through this ordinance. It's interesting that we have a couple ordinance, things that were ordered as a church to do. Communion is one, baptism is another. You know what an ordinance is just taken from the word order. It's put in place by God because it's something that the God uses to move in our lives through the Holy Spirit. It's a divine invitation to allow the Spirit of God to do something in you and through you. Baptism does not save you. You are saved through faith, not by works. But it does strengthen you. It does embolden you. It does ennoble you. There are countless stories of people who said something happened when I went under the water and I came back up. Something shifted in me when I went through that experience of baptism. The fact is the invitation to be baptized, it ought to provoke in us not fear, but excitement. We ought to be childlike, like waiting for Christmas and you can't sleep because you just can't wait for that moment. Somebody put out on Facebook this last week a video of a little guy being baptized, and I love it. And we're going to show it to you because it captures the heart of how we all should be before we walk into the baptism tank. This morning, uh, we have accepted Christ as his Savior and as his Lord, and he will demonstrate his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, by willingly being baptized this morning. He's been waiting on this day a long time. <laughs> and so, Jordan, upon the profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? I don't know if you can hear what he said. He's like, oh, do it. <sighs> but I love that excitement. I love that passion to get baptized. 
So what is baptism? Outward expression of an inward decision. It's an invitation to experience the spirit of God by being obedient. And it's another chance for you to identify with the death and the resurrection of Jesus. You know, the truth is you can't reflect on the cross too much. Right? We are to know Christ and to know Christ crucified. And this is another reason we baptize the way that we do, because it's the closest thing to being buried and rising again. It's what we see in the scriptures, that baptism by immersion is the closest thing to what was and what will be. It's a way for us to identify with the death and the resurrection of Christ. Romans 6, 4 says, we are buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that Jesus, as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might experience a newness of life. It's a profound invitation for you to experience more of Jesus, to have more of the newness of life. But the second question I wanted to answer is why? Why is it a critical element to disciple making? Because it's an expression to God and to everyone in the room that you are all in. It's an invitation to say to the world, I am not ashamed of the gospel. The proof is we are at risk when we are willfully disobedient. We risk not experiencing all that God has for us when we are willfully disobedient. If God is asking you to be baptized and you say to yourself, not today, I don't don't want this to happen. I don't want to go through this. And that disobedience can create a stronghold for Satan. It can create a, a beachhead for you to be attacked. And the truth of the matter is God is not going to do everything he wants to do in you while you are willfully disobeying something he has commanded us to do. So here's what's happening this morning. We have taken away all of the reasons for you not to be baptized. Meg and I spent a good portion of the weekend shopping for shorts. So there are shorts in the back that you can put on. We have t-shirts for you to put on. We have everything that you need to just come be baptized. Some of you have said to me, I don't want to be up front. I don't want to talk into the mic. You don't have to do that this morning. We're going to announce your name. We're going to tell people what your desire is, but we're going to speak into the mic for you so you don't have to be a public speaker. I know that freaks a lot of people out. But here's the deal. For the first time in my memory, we are going to have open baptism. And we already have 18 people that want to be baptized, and they're going to come share their testimonies. Yeah. But if you feel the nudge, if you know from what I've talked about this morning that you want to be baptized, I've bought your clothes. It's all set. I just want you to stand up and I just want you to come right down here. We're going to go into the chapel. We're going to give you everything you need. We'll have a short little conversation with you and then you can be baptized. So if you want to be baptized, just come on down. Those of you who are helping with baptism, if you would come down right now, that would be great. So, band, if you want to come up, that would be great. When I started thinking about this happening this week, part of what I thought about was maybe people are going to feel like I'm not old enough, but can I tell you, if you understood what I was talking about today, if you have decided to follow Jesus, 
and you wanna be baptized and you think, I'm not old enough, you're old enough. Some of you are thinking, well, it's been too long. I should have done that years ago. Don't let that stop you from coming out. Some of you are thinking, well, my family's not here. Yeah, your, your family is here. We are your family. So as we have people come down and they're gonna share their testimony, if you want to be baptized, following those, those 18 that are gonna be baptized, we're just gonna meet you right over here. We'll take you back to the chapel, but you can come down throughout the service and we'll make sure that that happens for you. So we're gonna sing, we're gonna hear some testimonies of some people and we're gonna start baptizing. Amen is right. Can I have... offer this service up to you. We just pray that you would put your hands on each one of the people that walked into this tank, that they would know that maybe even today, as they go out of this place, that they will feel some level of attack, some level of, of Satan want to take what, what you gave to them away. Lord, would they just hold tight to your spirit? Would they walk in obedience with you? Lord, thank you so much for just the movement of your spirit this morning in so many different people's lives. Lord, we pray that you take us out of this place that we would live in great commission, that we would share our faith with others, that they would come to know you, that we would baptize, that we would teach people to obey. Thank you for the work that you've done in us and through us. We ask all this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay. Bless you. Have a great Sunday.